So the day Natalie and I got married, I've told you stories before about our wedding day, um, but I want to tell you about our reception. Uh, on, on the day we got married, we were one of the first couples in our town to get one of those chocolate fountains, you know what I mean? And, and the technology on this chocolate fountain was so new in, in, in uh, 2004 that the company that brought it in didn't have the settings just right, and they set the chocolate speed too fast. And so everybody who... Uh, dip some fruit or a marshmallow or some bread in there, got sprayed. Everybody's just covered in chocolate at our wedding. And so it was a beautiful wedding. Uh, everything that day was perfect. And then you go to the reception and you've got this too fast chocolate fountain. I think about my nieces. They were probably about four and seven or so at the time. And they're just covered in their little white dresses. They're covered in chocolate. And uh, adults, adults, women in these beautiful dresses are covered in chocolate. Men in these suits, because Natalie's dad was a tailor, and he worked with a bunch of Italian tuxedo designers, and they're all there. They're all got chocolate on their suits. And everybody was a mess, and everybody is a little embarrassed. You know what I mean? And, and it doesn't matter if everybody's got chocolate on your suit or your dress. If you got it, all you can think about is yourself. You know what, I, you know what I'm saying? And, and that was what was going on that day at our wedding. And, and in my life, I don't know if it's like this in your life, there's been times where everybody else may have been a moral mess. But if I was feeling like a moral mess, it didn't matter what everybody else was feeling. I was very self-conscious of what was going on in my life and in my lifestyle and what I felt like I was wearing that shouldn't have been there, right? And uh, it seems like so many times everybody's got it together and they don't have a mess going on in their life, but we do and we just walk around. We can't even be ourselves. We're so self-conscious of this mess that we're wearing. So let me read you a story from Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13. I just want to point out two quick things. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and, and followed him. Now, Matthew is essentially the equivalent of, a, um, of an IRS worker who had a baby with a mafia-connected person, right? And, like, so if you can imagine a mafia worker having a child with an IRS worker, and they get this both uh, nerd and, like, sort of rough and tumble, I'm going to rough you up. Like, that's what Matthew is. And Jesus comes and he says, follow me. And he rose and followed him, verse 10. And Jesus reclined at table in Matthew's house. And behold, there are all kinds of tax collectors. Again, these sort of mafia people, but also like IRS employees and sinners. And there's some connotation a little bit of like, maybe even like sex sinners here. And they're all at this party at Matthew's house. And, it, and they're reclining with Jesus and his disciples because there's not tables like we have a way a party would work, she would have a low table and everybody's kind of laying down on their elbows. And here's Jesus laying with these really rough people and they're just having a feast together at Matthew's house. Verse 11, and when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous but sinners. And I want to tell you just a couple of things. One, everybody at the party is dirty. Just want to point out, everybody at this party is dirty. Now, some people's dirtiness is external and everybody sees it. Like, some of them are IRS bullies. You know, whenever I get something in the mail that says internal revenue service on there, I just automatically break out into sweats. My blood pressure goes up. I get nervous. And Natalie's like, babe, relax. It's not a big deal. It, I'm like, it is a big deal. This is the IRS. They can take me to prison right now, right? And so Jesus is at this party with some people who are like IRS agents, dirty, 
And then there's other, maybe there's prostitutes hanging out and people who are rough, like known sinners. You look at them, you're like, that's a sinner right there. But then the other people at the party are these Pharisees and they're just as dirty. They're judging everybody. You ever been at something and you feel judged? Everybody's judging me. They're judging. And they're, but they're, so they're just as dirty. You've got one group of people here who are externally dirty and one group of people here who are internally dirty, but every single one of them is really dirty. And, and, uh, and man, that's us. When we come in this room on a Sunday, every one of us is dirty. And when we go out in this community, every one of us is dirty. Some are internally dirty, some are externally dirty. And so as Christians, we need to be the most empathetic, compassionate people in this city. There's nothing anybody is going through out here in Charlestown or in this city that we have not on some level been through, right? We all carry our stuff. Some of us hide it better than others. So we need to be compassionate and empathetic people. I'm, I'm developing a new discipline. Even with my boys, when they're frustrated or they're struggling, or I hear someone who's struggling with something, I want to be more empathetic. And I try to say, man, I really, I really hear you. I am sorry, but you're going through that. That has got to be really hard. And I've gone through something like that in my life. Not the exact same, but I've gone through something like that. Can I tell you what God did Look, I want to come alongside people. I think what Jesus does here is he comes alongside these people. He doesn't stand outside at the party and yell condemnation. Repent, repent, the kingdom of God is near. He goes into the party with all these filthy people and he's there among them. We're all dirty. Romans 3.23 says, we all sin and we fall short of the glory of God. So we're all like the biggest piece of fake news in Boston is this idea that people, I don't know if it ever happens to you, people, uh, Natalie's boss will say, JD, you and Natalie, you're such good people. Anybody ever tell you that? You're such a good person. That's a great, tremendous lie. You and I on our own are not good people. At the party of life, we are dirty. We are dirty. But the second thing, and man, here's the gospel. Here's the good news. Jesus is at the party with them. Jesus is at the party too. He doesn't stand out and yell judgment. Jesus is not intimidated by Matthew's shadiness. He's not intimidated by dishonest gain. He's not intimidated by sex sin. He's not intimidated by self-righteousness. He's not intimidated at all by this situation. He walks right into it and he goes to the party. And so Jesus, and this is so critical, Jesus is more concerned with people's relationship with him than he is by their morality. And it's so easy to forget that, like as church people. As church people, it's so easy to forget that. He's more concerned about his relationship with them than their sinfulness. What's first, what's primary is their relationship with God. What's secondary is their past, their present, their morality, or their religion. Listen, Jesus wants to crash the party in Charlestown. Jesus wants to wreck your life party. And I don't mean wreck it like, Renee, get your crap together. Natalie, get it together. Carla, how can you be struggling with that? Jesus wants to crash the party, show up. I love you. I love that you're having a party. I want to be in the middle of what's going on in your life. And so as Christians, let's never forget that we're at that party where there's tax collectors and sinners and Pharisees. And in our witness, let's follow Jesus' pattern and enter into people's situation and understand its relationship first. It's always relationship first. We've got, a, um, a, a, we've got some friends, a lesbian couple. They're really tremendous. And uh, I know a little bit about their spiritual story. And I brace myself every time I see them for them to ask a question about our church. 
and I want them to. And when they ask about it, and if they ask if they're welcome here, I want to say, well, if you're not welcome here, then neither am I. And then the second thing I want to say is that your sexuality does not define you. Your relationship with Jesus defines you. In the same way that for me, as an American male living in the most sexualized culture in the world, my sexuality doesn't define me. My relationship with Jesus is my first definition, the first thing that defines me. What God says about me is the most important. So it's relationship first, morality second. As you follow Jesus in discipleship, And following him, it's relationship first, habit second. My relationship with Natalie is not defined by, did I take out the trash? Did I put the shoes in the closet? You know, did I fold the laundry? It's, how are we communicating? Is she hearing my heart? There's sometimes, we'll get to the end of the day, and I've done all the right things, and she's done all the right things, but our hearts can feel distant because we've been so busy with other things, right? relationship first when it comes to God, habit second. We love him because he first loved us and wants relationship with us. So I want to tell you this. This is what happened that day at our wedding reception. Um, Man, we loved all the people there. Natalie uh, loved everybody there. It's a small wedding, 150 people. Everybody was so dear to us. And so if you look at the photos, the later we get into the day, the more her dress is covered in chocolate. Because she wants to hug people and take photos with them because the relationship mattered more than the cleanliness of her dress. The relationship was the most important thing. And so here's this white dress with little tiny brown fingerprints on it and smudges from hugging family and friends and taking photos with guests. And every single stain on that dress is a symbol of love and relationship that day. Every stain is a testimony to relationship with somebody who he loved. And so she valued in that moment, she valued closeness over cleanness. And sometimes it's our tendency emotionally to value cleanness over closeness. And that's not the way of Jesus. And she valued in that moment relationship over perfection. The way of Jesus is to choose relationship over getting it together. And so there's never been a moment like where I look at you as your pastor uh, and, and I'm thinking like Jesus, and that's not always. But when I'm thinking like Jesus, I don't think, boy, if Nick could just get it together, then he'd really be good to go. Or if Kayla could just quit struggling with this, that re- then we'd be good. See, it's not about cleanness. It's, as Nick falls more in love with Jesus, he will become more like Jesus because relationship is what changes us. As Kayla knows Christ more over time, she will become more like Christ. Jesus does that. And here's here's the best part of the gospel. Jesus crashes our party and Jesus gets close. But there's one huge difference. And here it is. Jesus, on that day, April 3rd, 2004, though Natalie's dress had chocolate on it, every one of our guests left also with chocolate on their dresses or their suits or whatever it was that they were wearing. The difference between that and Jesus is when Jesus touches us in our dirtiness, he leaves with the stain of sin and the consequence of God's wrath. We walk away clean and forgiven and whole as if we had never sinned. That's what it means to be sanctified by God. It means to be made holy, to be made 
clean again. And so Jesus transfers our shame and our guilt and our blame and makes us free. That's the gospel. It's not that he just identifies with us. It's he takes away what we could never take away on our own. So Jesus says, look, I came to make the sick well. I came to give the undeserving mercy. I came to make sinners righteousness by his death. And all we have to do to enter into that is let him crash the party. Man, this is not some secret society that we got going on in the Kent where, you know, people doing parkour are going to come look and be like, man, what a bunch of weirdos. Like, we want to meet down here on the bottom uh, in the gym as long as we can, as long as the temperature allows us so that people will see, look, this is an, this is an open room. This is an open family. And we want to go into the community as much as we can to say Jesus crashes the party. We want to be known for throwing parties. We want to come to your party. We want to be where you are because that's where Jesus is and that's where he goes. Relationship first, morality second. Relationship first, habits second. We love because he first loved us. So I want to encourage you with two questions. One, do you have a relationship with God? Not religion. That is such a Charlestown, I've never experienced that until I moved to New England. You know, do you have, like, one of, uh, there's a friend in our life, he goes, do you guys have religion on Sunday? I'm like, ugh, you just made this thing at 10 o'clock seem so gross. No, we don't have religion on Sunday. We're a bunch of busted up people who will meet together to celebrate an incredible God at 10 a.m. And we would love for you to come. We do not have religion on Sunday. Uh, second, second question how is your relationship with Jesus? How is your relationship with Jesus today? Is it close or are you holding him at arm's length away from you uh, because of shame of mess or because of pleasure with mess or whatever the situation may be? The, the situation, like to be right with God, to walk with God, the only thing required of us is humility and desperation and knowing that the only righteous one at the party is Jesus. The only righteous one at the party is Jesus. That's the gospel. The only righteous one at the party is Jesus. I love, like, I love that, that image of my wife with her clean dress, then covered in chocolate. And I'm thankful that Jesus enters into our mess in love. He enters into our mess in love, and he takes the stains completely away. If we say, look, I'm going to drop my guard, and I'm going to let you, Jesus, come in as close as you will. 